Our industry-leading two-panel saddle technology is more efficient and streamlined than ever before. Inspired by the desire to eliminate the choice between being compact or comfortable, the Method 2 saddle is ultra-compact for your hike in, but also enhances comfort in the tree. The Method 2 is designed to adapt to your personal hunting style from the moment you step out of the truck, minimizing bulk when you need to move and optimizing comfort during all-day sits. This saddle is built for hunters who like to move often and move fast, and it's for those who are passionate about exploring unfamiliar places. For more information, visit LatitudeOutdoors.com. In sports, the scoreboard doesn't tell the full story, but Netflix does. Stories about dads who happen to be world-class quarterbacks and a battle for the heart, soul, and direction of the multi-billion dollar business of F1. Whether you're a diehard fan or you're brand new, Netflix has the stories for every type of fan. You can watch these incredible sports stories like Quarterback, F1 Drive to Survive, Untold, and many more now on Netflix. Welcome to the Life Outdoors, where we speak life into and through the outdoors. It's our goal to edify, educate, and entertain. Our hope is that we move you past the unknown so you can experience everything the outdoors has to offer. Now here's your host, Nate Bailey and Gage Bailey. Before we get into uh, our, our lesson today, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the fact that you are working in this world. As we study the book of Acts, that's actually what we're looking at. We're looking at what you're doing through your people, um, even adjusting their circumstances that they have no clues to what you're doing and making it your will. Lord, we ask for that um, insight to we, where we could actually trust you in this. And we also ask that you do move us to do your work. Uh, we pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, you guys, most of you guys know I was in the Coast Guard. And one of the things that we did in the Coast Guard um, at the small boat station is we would do what they call burials at sea. Now, a burial at sea didn't require us to take a body out and dump it over, although we might have done that. Um, I, we just never did. I never did any of those. Um, we did take uh, ashes of people and then we dumped those into the sea and it was it, it, the requirement was it had to be a veteran and um, They would a lot of times request it from their spouse. So their spouse would be along with us um, I'll never forget uh, it was it was kind of life-changing uh, one of them. I mean we did several of them uh, before this one time and uh when we did this this one event, it was kind of strange. It's kind of funny because you have to go out about 15 miles out to sea. I can't remember exactly what the line of demarcation is. So there's a certain line you got to go past before you can do it. And I, I don't remember what the what the line is. But you had to go out quite a ways. So you got to know the person um, who was going to be a part of the service. You got to know them really well, the spouse usually. And uh, I was talking to this lady, and it was a World War II veteran. And he'd served in the Navy, and he'd, he'd actually served during Midway, the Battle of Midway. And it, um, this lady was just super sweet. And one of the things that, at, right at first, that kind of jumped in, um, this was back in the 90s. So, you know, um, she, she, was, she was up there in age, but she wasn't, you know, like a World War II veteran is today. Um, but she walked on board the ship, and I tried to help her on. She says, ah, I got it. I, I'll take care of this. 
And I couldn't, it, it, it stuck to me how much life was in this lady. Um, here she was getting ready to bury her husband and, and uh, she was so full of life. And as we were going out, she was talking about uh, reminiscing about all the things that her husband talked about and she was talking about you know him being on the uh, the Pacific Ocean and how cool um, it was that he was actually going to be able to be back out on the Pacific Ocean and uh, how many of his brothers had died on the ships that he'd been on and all the people that he'd been around brothers I mean the other veterans of the Navy that he met through the Navy and and I'll never forget how um, this lady was. She was just crazy to be around. She was just one of those people. You know, you've been around those people where they're just like infectious. You just sit on every word that they have because you know it's a gym. You, and there's something about them. There's like this special spiritual thing in them that makes you want to listen to them and makes you want to just be around them. There's, there, you guys all know the people I'm talking about. You've been around those people. Well, so we get out there and... Uh, the custom is, is to shut off all the engines. And uh, then we have a, it was so corny, but we had this cassette tape player and it would play taps. And um, the minute that you played taps, then, you know, somebody could say something, say a word. And if the, if the minister was brought out there, then he would say something. Um, or we'd even use a Navy chaplain or somebody like that. They, they would say a few words. Um, in this instance, she didn't bring anybody else but herself. And, uh, so she, uh, <laughs> we, we turn off the engines and I don't know if you guys know it or not, but there's always a windward and leeward side and the windward side means the wind's coming at you. The leeward side means that the wind's going away from you. And, uh, before, once we got the engine shut off, taps were over with, before we could do anything else, she starts, she goes to and dumps all the ashes and she dumps it out on the windward side. So you guys probably guessed what happens next. Uh, those ashes just all over all of us. The, the whole crew, four of us and her. And she, she, and we're just trying to get them off of us. And she goes, she just starts laughing and laughing and laughing. And she says, oh, that, that's about right. He always wanted to joke. So, um, and then she started telling us about, you know, this is not the final thing. She said that there's a lot more to life than this. And she left it at that. And I was thinking, man, you mean to tell me? Um, and, and of course, I've been to church and I've been to all these things before. And, and I've heard the gospel and I knew kind of what it was about. But, you know, when you start facing it at this level, things kind of sink in a little bit more. And so I remember that day going, man, this is crazy. I, I actually wore the ashes of this guy. And then she, she's laughing and saying, this is not the final thing that, um, uh, and she made the reference that she's going to get, she's going to talk to him when she gets to heaven. She's going to talk to him about that when she gets to heaven. Um, of course there were tears shed, you know, she shed some tears, but she was also, um, laughing at the same time as she was t shedding tears, which is something that struck me. I mean, people just don't do that, right? I mean, people don't look at, at death in that same, in, in the same way. And I, I, so I got back, got off duty, and I was laying in my in my um, in my in my bed, and I was thinking, man, you know, this has been a pretty eventful day. Um, people, there's got to be more to life than just this. And and I knew what the gospel was, and I knew those things. I knew it at a technical level, but I did not know it at an experiential level.
So you could, by the way, guys, you can know the gospel at a technical level, but until you actually meet Christ himself, personally meet Christ, um, it doesn't really stick. And so when we start going through this, this, um, these ideas of what really life is about, um, and they start hitting you, bam, bam, bam. There, you know, there's four big things that really start hitting you is where did I come from? Where am I going? Um, why am I here? What, what's the meaning of all this? And how do I know right from wrong? When you start really, you know, it takes something like somebody's ashes to hit you in the face to where you start understanding this stuff. Or, or, or you start coming, not maybe not understanding it, but you start coming to trying to um, get a little feel for what really is going on in this world. Um, you guys, there, so there's this great big meta-narrative of all the stuff that um, life is about. And you have to look past yourself to really look towards any kind of truth in it. And that... And that hits you when you start looking at this stuff. The COVID's the same way. You know, when you start looking at the things that um, this virus has caused, uh, just just the the way that people's lives have changed. And and I don't. I'm not saying that you know it's this or that. But what I am saying is is that the way that things have changed and the and the um, the hardness and and how much it almost it brought us to a stop like in one one week we were just like cruising down the road everything was going fine we were eating and drinking and being merry and then all of a sudden wham things changed well we have to understand this is a great time this is kind of like the ashes flowing right over the top of me to start looking at what life is really about and see that's what the book book of acts is about um that's what's so cool about it. That's why this is a good time to actually reflect on a little bit of what the book of Acts is about. Um, so I'm really excited to get through this, you guys. I'm really excited to, to start jumping into this and seeing what God is doing through humans. I mean, it, he's continuing everything that's going on through Acts right now. He was continuing everything that's going on in Acts with that lady in my life and with the ashes of her husband in my life. Uh, those things were all part of this, this system that he was creating to bring me to him and to actually start making me meet him, um, to physically, physically and spiritually to understand that he is um, controlling all of this. I don't know a whole lot about what's going on. Um, I thought I did. I don't know a whole lot about what's going on, but I do know enough to know that I should be trusting him in, in whatever's going on. And so that's, that's what the book of Acts is about. So there's three basic um, outlines about the book of Acts. And you guys, the first one that you have to get a hold of, it, it changes your whole worldview. And you can't, it's not a technical thing where you could just uh, put it down in an outline and go, this is exactly what I believe without actually believing it. I, it that's hard for me to, it's hard for me to put to words, but um, you have to not only know the technical things, but you have to experience all of what's being said as well. So a lot of what you have to do is um, when you go through the hard times and, and you're experiencing hard times, the Lord brings a lot of that stuff so you can actually experience what he's saying about the gospel. Now, I know that sounds kind of weird. Um, it's not like God's creating hard times so you'll just bow to him or maybe... He, he is creating these hard times so you'll start understanding who he is. Um, so 
that's the first thing about the book of Acts is it shows how to create this new worldview of and the worldview is is kind of a continuation of the book of Luke right so the worldview is that there's an empty grave if you start looking at life like there is no death um, because really uh, physical death is not as big of a deal as spiritual death right you're not afraid of your body being put into the ground molecule wise what you're afraid of is a spirit ceasing to exist or better yet all the things that are of the spirit ceasing to exist all so lo, um, love relationship um, all of those things that you hold dear to yourself right now or spiritual things uh, believe believe me most of the things that you really crave in your life are very spiritual things and for that to cease to exist that is what you're afraid of death being that's that's what death really is and quite honestly that is um what you have to come to terms with it's not the fact that a body gets put into the ground or ashes get thrown into the ocean that's that's not really it that you guys aren't afraid of that really what you are afraid of is this death of spirit where um you know parents aren't around anymore you know when we go to a, a funeral and you go to um the funeral you're not really worried about the body that's in the casket you're worried about the fact that you're not going to be in relationship with that person anymore that's your fear now the cool thing about it is christ says that's not the end um and that's that's see that's the worldview shift is because jesus came through the grave and he's resurrected that means that those who are with him will do the same thing you see in that whole worldview shift that whole thing that is where um there's any juice in this life at all that's that's where anything that's in this life comes from so um it's it's a whole new it's a whole new understanding and you you can't really understand acts or the uh, the things that go on in acts or shoot any of the bible or life itself unless you start understanding this that there is um that if you're attached to Christ you're destined for an empty grave in other words you're destined in, a, in actuality, you are now a member of resurrection. That's, I mean, if you've given your life to Christ right now, that's actually who you are. Um, it may not be fully actualized yet, but but you can start realizing it. And see, that's that's the big thing. That's what that lady had. That's what that lady had. That's why she could laugh when she was burying her husband and laughing and crying at the same time. But there was a genuineness of, of knowing that she's going to, She's going to have to talk to him about all that. I don't know how that all works out in the end, but you got to understand that the spirit that was inside of her was not mourning the fact that she would never see him again. So you got to understand that. Um, the second thing is, is once you understand this, so this, this worldview, once that happens, that changes you. That changes you to a point where if, if you start adding on this worldview and, and you start living it out, and it, the worldview actually comes to you, by the way. You just agree to it. But when when you start living this worldview out, you can't help but tell other people about it. You can't help but spreading this. And, and I mean by telling other people, sometimes it's preaching. Sometimes it's loving. Sometimes it's giving them something. Sometimes you're going to be a Christian around them. You're going to actually start living out the worldview of life. You're going to live out a worldview that is beyond the grave. You're going to actually... 
um, things of the grave aren't going to scare you as much. They're not. Um, of course, there's some things that are, they're hard to get over. Don't, I, I don't want to belittle that. But what I want to say is, is this worldview is everything that defeats that. Even though we still go through it on this, in this earth, even though we still feel the hurt of people being gone, um, the worldview itself actually does beat it, though. So that, that's the second thing. And you're going to... This conversion brings a mission to you. So once you've been converted into that, once you start feeling that life spreading in you and you're going, man, I want to I talk to other people about this. I want to show them that this isn't the end. That this is not, we're not just molecules. We're not just um, a cosmic accident that's just a, a flame and then burns out. We're actually something far greater than that. We're eternal. So the third thing I want to point out um, this and this is the outline is, and then the so acts the first two things is the re resurrection is where we build the worldview from. So the empty grave is where we get our worldview. Um, that worldview will bring us to a missional people. We will want to spread it. We will want to talk about it. Um, there's church obedience involved in that. There's um, also a plan of that. So. And then the third thing is the apostles are the ones who are the authority over this message, okay? So what I mean by that is um, the people that were direct Padawan learners, um, uh, they, they walked with Jesus on earth. They were actually um, the first ones to be under his, uh, um, his teaching, the, his earthly teaching here, those are, those are the apostles. And then, um, so he had 12 of them. And they had, so we see in Acts where they go through and find, try to find an uh, apostle to take the place of Judas. Um, now, some of you guys are probably saying, well, what about Paul? You know, because Paul came, he wasn't part of the 12. Well, yeah, he was the 13th apostle. But the first 12 were actually kind of the culmination of what was going on with the Old Testament, and then the 12 apostles were the completion of that. So um, Paul was brought in, and then he, he primarily went to all the Gentiles. So th that is what it is. You can look further into that. There's a lot to be said about it. But um, just, just understand that the completion, the church, the 12 apostles are the completion of the 12 tribes, and that kind of melts that together. Um, and we'll see that in the book of Acts. Now, Let's review a couple things from last week. Um, remember what Jesus was doing here. Remember what Jesus was doing on earth uh, during that time uh, when, he, when he came back out of the grave and then he starts moving his church forward. Remember, remember what he, his three things that he was saying were. The first thing was is he was creating this new um, family or community, and that was us, the church. And that's one of the things that he was doing in that 40 days before he uh, ascended. Remember, he, he was creating this family and he's probably preaching to the, the disciples on things that um, we need to know about how the church works and how we're supposed to work underneath him. Um, he brought this, the, this message of the gospel. How did he bring the message of the gospel, by the way? See, this is the, the pivotal point to um, what was going on is the pivotal point was, is the fact that he was resurrected. See, that's that everybody goes to the cross and the cross of course is part of the gospel, but 
the key to everything uh, is the empty grave, actually. The empty grave actually proves that Jesus was um, actually saved us. Um, the cross paid for the sin, but the, the life afterwards, the life beyond the grave is where the proof hits the pudding, is it? Or where the rubber hits the road? So um, he paid for our sins, but he left those in death and then he was resurrected through life and he left all of that in death. Same thing that we do in baptism, you guys. So what we're doing when we go through baptism, we're, we're showing everybody else what Jesus has done for our lives. That's, that's what baptism is about. It's, it's a symbol of what has happened inside of us that we have actually clung on to Jesus. We've actually been a part of him. That's why relationship's such an important thing. That's why I say you can know the gospel technically, but until you start doing it relationally and experientially, when you start understanding what you're doing, that you're, le that you're leaving your sin with what Jesus did on the cross in death, and you come back out of it and you're now alive. That's the gospel, you see. And that's what he was doing. That's what he said. This is the message that he's bringing. Um, it requires repentance, going, man, I am not God. I have done this all wrong. I am full of sin. It's evil. It's nasty. I'm turning away from that right now. And I'm turning into life. And I, I want to live the way that I was meant to live through Jesus Christ, the way that I was meant to live as a human, because humans are meant to be the image of God. And they're meant to be the, the pots of the Holy Spirit. And I want to be that. And that's all you do. He, and it's not like, okay, I want to be that. Now, now I'm going to start doing it. That's not how this works. Have you guys ever tried to be good? I've tried to be good. I'm not really good at being good. Now, here's another thing, though. I have attached myself to Christ, and I have gone, Lord, I want to just be a part of you. I just want to be with you because you are so good. And so what you are is everything that is reality everything that is real, everything that is good. And I just want to be attached to that because if I'm attached to that, guess what? Goodness is going to come from me because you're inside of me and that's where true goodness comes from. And it's actual good goodness. It's not like this made up stuff, you know? It's not like um, this, this, you guys have all seen it. Not real goodness where somebody tries that. Eddie Haskell, the Eddie Haskell, you guys don't know Eddie Haskell. Um, it's, it's not this made up goodness where we, uh, pretend like we're good. It's actual true goodness. And when you're around somebody like that, you notice, you notice, um, that lady that was on the boat, man, I knew, I knew for a fact that she was genuine when she was laughing and crying at the same time, that was not put on. It was real stuff. And, and I think that was probably the biggest thing that hit me is, is she's, she actually, she's actually being real here. All right, and uh, the third thing, the third thing that is this, this new life comes through the Spirit, that He brings this into us. We, I already mentioned it before, but we don't do anything about this. He brings it into us, and this is the best thing that could happen to you. Um, actually, if this happens, you guys jot down John 14. Um, we looked at this last week, but go back there and take a look, and then meditate on John 14, 16 through 20. And take a look. Um, we don't have time right now, but um, go take a look. All right. With that said, these are the, these are this is the review of what was going on um, with the Book of Acts. This is how it's all working out. 
Now let's jump right into the first chapter. We're going to run over to the first chapter of Acts and let me um, read it to you and then I'll break it down and then we'll leave you with a couple thoughts about it. All right. In my, in my former book, Theopolis, I wrote to you all Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles. Now see, we, we already talked about the apostles and how he was giving instruction to through the Holy Spirit. Now notice that he, we don't know everything that he said to the apostles, but that that's what he left. He left them um, all sorts of instruction, and we get some of that through the epistles. And so when we read that, that's that's actually what we're getting. So this is where apostleship comes from, you guys. Don't listen to people that say you know apostleship happens in generations following. That's not true. The apostles are right underneath Jesus because he, right here, this is why. Okay. Um, the apostles that he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave convincing proofs that he was alive. You guys remember all those from last week. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God, something that you're a part of. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave uh, this command, do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift that the Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then he gathered around and asked then they gathered around and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set to his own authority. Um by the way, it's not up to us to know or to try to put a date on or to try to figure out when Jesus is coming back. Um, when we see things around us, it's like a pregnant woman. So we see the times and we go, yeah, things are changing, but it's not up to us. It's not up to us to even try to do that. If, if, if we concentrate on that, then we're missing the whole point of what's really going on is the fact that Jesus is doing something on earth and we just need to go along with it. You don't need to know everything. Uh, but you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit, verse 8, but you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit comes, uh, comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken before their very eyes, in a cloud, um, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently at the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them men of Galilee they said why do you stand here looking into the sky this is the same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven verse 12 then the apostles returned to Jerusalem and uh, on the hill called the <clears throat> excuse me from the hill called the Mount of Olives a Sabbath day's walk from the city when they arrived they went upstairs to the room and they were where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, not Bartholomew, and Math, uh, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. They were all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the woman Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his uh, his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers 
a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, a scripture, uh, the scripture had been fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago in David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment that he received his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, and his body was open, and his intestines spilled out. His intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem uh, heard about this, so they called that field in their language. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tear this up, but Alkemda, or the field of blood. For uh, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, May his place be deserted. Let there be no one dwell in it and make another uh, take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary, for, uh, necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time that the Lord is living among us so check that out he's saying hey look if we're going to have another apostle it's got to be somebody that was walking with the lord when the lord was with us beginning from john's baptism to the time when jesus was taken up from us for one of these must become the witness with us in his resurrection okay so for one of us must become witness with us of his resurrection so he's saying um for this person to be an apostle, they have to have gone through all this. They have to understand what happened at that time, which is really good comforting news to me. Um, because when I read this, I want to know that um, the apostles, the people that are writing through the Holy Spirit, of course, um, are writing the Holy Spirit's words. So, all right, verse 23. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barabbas, also known as Justice, and Matt, uh, Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you have chosen to take over the apostolic ministry which Judas has left uh, to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and a lot fell on Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. All right, so that was a lot. Um, let's take a look at that, though. Let's let's go ahead and we'll go through this first chapter, and uh, we'll take a look at what's going on through uh, this. It's kind of the setup chapter for the rest of the book. Um, it's it's kind of cool because we see the early church having to figure out how to do things, and um, they had to do it through relying on the Spirit and relying on prayer. Um, first thing that I'd like to point out is. Verses uh, 1 through 11, this, this is kind of a continuation of what was going on uh, through Luke's gospel, right? So at the end of Luke's gospel, uh, 1 through 11 is showing us um, that, <clears throat> that uh, the apostles were given orders to go do things. And uh, so they were carrying that out. Um, and then he goes and talks about how many people saw the resurrection Christ, resurrected Christ and all the things that they had seen. And then he's, um, part of what they were doing is he was pointing to the things that were, were real about the resurrected Christ, um, which is really cool. I mean, when you guys really look at it and you look at the, 
uh, history of all this. And then you see all of the apostles leaving um, the gospels talking about how this all happened. It's, it's really, I like it. I, I like being able to go back and, and read through the history that Luke's putting down. Um, and then he says, look, this is all taking place because it's part of this kingdom of God that God's creating on earth, that he created this huge kingdom on earth that you're going to be a part of. And here's the cool thing about it is we have attached to that history um, of being part of that kingdom. Uh, it's a great thing to think about, which is really cool because we don't have to... <laughs> being Here's the cool thing about being part of a kingdom. I know we're Americans. Americans are like, we don't want to be a part of a king. We're going to fight against being a uh, part of a king. Um, but that's because we've had bad kings in the past. Think about it. If you're a part of a king, you don't have to vote on anything. Um, I don't have to try to come up with truth and then try to go, oh, I wonder if this is true or not. No, you just listen to the king. The king, if he's... And see, the kingdom that we're a part of, if the king's perfect, which he is, then we just listen to the king. If we do what he says... We're doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing. That's a cool thing about being a part of a kingdom, you guys. Um, I, I know. It, kingdom, people think this stuff through, and especially us Americans, it's pounded in our heads since the day we were born that we're a Republican democracy, and uh, we should be able to vote on what's true and what's not. Um, even some of our news outlets are like, hey, look, we'll report, you decide. Um, no, we want to be a part of kingdom. We, we want a king who tells us how it is. And then we want to be able to live underneath that, what he's saying. Um, you know what's cool about that too? Is then community becomes something more than just what's going on here. Then community actually, we can call each other in the community, within the community, and we could say, hey, look, um, the king says this. So we have, we have this that we could talk about. And so that holds community together. If everybody believes that they have a king and he's spoken, then we have a, a way of communicating within the community. I could, like if, if I'm doing something wrong and it's pointed out to me, I could go, yeah, sorry, king, I was doing that wrong. And sorry, whoever I'm doing that wrong to, um, I'm going to change because that's the kingdom that I live in. So that's, that's a big deal, you guys, that we're a part of a kingdom. Verses 6 through 8, he um, he's moving us to, um, so he moves us from this kingdom to start looking at the prior kingdom. And he's saying, um, look at all this that's going on. Um, Israel, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> allergies. Israel is, um, is going to be restored. But what I'm doing is I'm, I'm restoring what is really going on in my kingdom with the 12 apostles. And I'm going to do that. And then, as we'll see down the road, I'm going to include Paul, a 13th. And he's going to be pulling, of all things, Gentiles into this kingdom, us. And he's going to pull us into this kingdom. And um, I'm doing something way bigger and, and completely more grand than anything that you could think of. Now... You notice here that the disciples or the apostles at the time were going, are you going to restore Israel? Are you going to restore Israel? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to do that plus more. <laughs> and, uh, but wait, there's more. No, it's, it's not that. It's, it's actual. He's, he's doing something that is, it's going to blow everybody away when they actually see it. You know, sometimes I think when we get to heaven, there's so much that we don't understand right now that we're going to be blown away when we see what he actually has done. Um, 
just the stuff that we see here that he's doing. Um, and you know, you guys all have one of those moments in your life, right? One of those God moments. Um, just that's big. But just wait until you get to heaven and you see what how he wove everything together. Even in your own life, all the good, all the bad, all of the love, all of the relationships, all of this stuff that he's, uh, the history of your life, the all the stuff that he's brought together in this tapestry called your life. And then you're going to go, and that is part of this grand, mega, um, this huge narrative of this kingdom that you're talking about. It's, you guys, it's huge. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's better than any movie that you've ever seen. Matter of fact, all good movies borrow from this. Okay, don't get me started. All right, so that's what he's doing. And, and he says, you know, this, um, he tells the, he tells the um, apostles, hey, start here. Start in Jerusalem, Samaria, and then go to all the ends of the earth. Uh, verses 9 through 11, he, he's telling them where he's going. He's going to the right hand of the Father. Why would he say that? Why, why would Jesus tell him where, that he's going to the right hand of the Father? It's, it's to show his authority. Um, if you're at the right hand of whoever you're with, that is, that is your right-hand man. <laughs> I know, that's horrible. Pardon the pun. Um, no, but that is the person who is actually carrying out everything that you're doing. Okay, That's what the right hand means. Um, so Jesus is the... He is the human carrying out the image of God perfectly through the perfection of the Holy Spirit within Jesus. Um, so he is God, basically, is what it's saying. He's God in the flesh. Okay? All right. Verses 12 through 26. This is bringing it all back together, and it's tying it all together. Um, by what he's doing is he brought all of... So we had the 12 tribes of Israel that were promised to Abraham that were going to be brought out... And then uh, Jesus says, okay, we're going to have 12 apostles. And that's kind of the culmination of what he said to Abraham and what he's doing in the rest of the world. So it's a national thing by bringing the 12 um, apostles, but it's also um, a, fulfill, a fulfilling of what he said to Abraham as far as he's going to bring all peoples in. So that means the Gentiles. That means you and me, most of us. Some of you guys are, are part of the, the Jewish tribes. But... Um, it's it's pretty grand when we start because we're just touching the very tip of this meta narrative, and so this speaks to what's going on in the world, and it speaks to what we're actually a part of, and it actually speaks to what you're supposed to be doing, who you are, how you live, all that, you guys. So this is the cool thing about Acts. Um, I'm going to leave you with a couple of things. I, I want I want to leave you with a couple of things that um, I think you could you could draw off of. Um, what we've seen so far. The first thing is, is um, you can only do what you have in front of you. <laughs> um, you use your history behind you to guide what you're in right now, but you cannot rely on, you can't focus on the future because the future has not been really told to you a whole lot yet. All that you've been told about your future is that there's great hope ahead. Okay, you guys may think that you have, and we, we could see that through what happened with COVID, right? I mean, our lives were just going, dook, 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 and we we're just living out this future that we thought we had. Some of you seniors thought that you're actually going to be able to walk through a graduation. I hate, I hate to say that that way, but it's true. So understand that their future is not guaranteed to you. Your graduation's not guaranteed. It's, it's a 
crazy thing when you think about it, or the ceremony, I should say. It's not a guaranteed thing. And we, we really would have not understood that if it wasn't for this COVID thing. So when we start looking at that, maybe that's a metaphor that God put in your life, just like those ashes were for me, to think about what you have at hand is what you have to do. That you're, you shouldn't worry about the future, and you shouldn't fret over the past, but you have stuff to do right now. Um, okay, so once you figure out that all you can do right now is what you have at hand, that you shouldn't worry about the future because you don't know what it means, and you don't know what God's doing in the future, um, the one thing that you can do is you can start trusting the present, and, and you trust what he's doing right now. And, and so what that means is whatever you have in your hand to do at this moment, that's what you do. Okay, so whatever whatever means you have, say you say you um, like to make videos, say you like to uh, make music, say that's all for a purpose. That's all to be passed on, and that's all to bring glory to the Lord through all this. So um, we we're going to see that in the Book of Acts. You know, one of Paul's greatest gifts in the book we see is he could write really well when he was in prison. Um, he didn't go, oh man, God hates me. I'm in prison. He, he never looked at it that way. You know what he looked at? He was like, oh, well, I'm in prison. I got all this time on my hands. I need to do this. Maybe some of you guys have a bunch of time on your hands right now. And um, you think it's for video games. It's not. <laughs> or maybe it is. Maybe some of it's to collect people around you to play video games. And you can minister to those people through being there. Just being a person. Maybe it's um, being a person of Christ. Maybe it's um, through some of your creative outlets. Maybe you guys are into music. So the Lord's using all this. Um, how, do we, how, do we actually, how do we actually lean into that? Well, you just start giving it to him and you start doing like the apostles did. And you'll see that throughout this. You'll just start praying. You say, hey, Lord, why am I going through this? I know there's a reason for it. It, it hurts. Some of this stuff hurts. But um, I, the only way that there's any meaning in it is that if you're in it, and then you say, Lord, how do we do that? How do, how do I work through this to bring glory to you? Because that's really what I want to be here for. All right, guys, that's great comfort, really, when you start thinking about it, knowing that you're a part of something that the Lord's doing. Um, the biggest thing in that is you know where you're headed. You know where the hope lies. You know that that empty grave, remember, it's all about that worldview, that empty grave dictates everything else that we do. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the fact that you died on the cross for us, taking the sins, leaving them in the grave, and you were resurrected to prove who you are. Lord, please um, let that affect our mind and, the, and our actions. Let our minds turn to you so our actions will follow. Lord, we ask this, bring, bring it very apparent through these times of what you're doing. Use these times as ashes in the face um, to make us start thinking more of you and start coming alongside what you're doing on this earth. Things are changing here in America, or all, worldwide. Lord, we know that we're actively called to be a part of this. Please let us understand that. Give us the hope to live through it. And we pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, guys. See you later. Maybe we'll see you in class next week. I don't know. If not, 
It's what the Lord's doing. Thanks for listening to the Life Outdoors podcast. Join the Life Nation by spreading this podcast or by going over to our YouTube channel, giving us a subscribe, or even by following us on Instagram. All these things help spread the life. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. Keep living. were not created by man. In Wild Country, the challenge of what's outside brings you closer to what's inside. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, presented by Expedition Enterprises. It's going to get a little hairy. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.